Good morning, or good evening, or maybe it's good afternoon. Welcome to Talking Pictures, your weekly Wednesday waffle. I am Furiosa, sorry I'm Brian, and I'm joined today <laughs> by my good friend and co-host for today's episode, David. David, what's the crack? Do you think you'll ever introduce yourself not as Furiosa now until the, the um, Furiosa movie comes out? Dave, I think the question is, you should be asking, am I going to keep doing it after the movie comes out? <laughs> it's just, just you now coming out and saying, like, I, my, I'm changing my name to Furiosa. Like, David and Furiosa present Talking Pictures Podcast. Uh, what do we call it? Dave, before we get into today's episode, which I'm very delighted we decided to talk about it, uh, trade of the week, if you don't mind. Of course, man, fire away. Yeah, man. Adam Sandler's got uh, a Netflix movie coming out on March 1st. He's always got a Netflix movie mm-hmm. coming out. Well, this one's a little different because he's in space. He's a spaceman, either traveling on a mission or trying to get home. And it's not one of those action, intense, fun, popcorn, munching type of movies. This is one where people mean you for example, might like, and hopefully people who are not like me and you do like, because Adam Sandler is probably going insane or seeing things because his companion for the movie is a giant spider. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And this giant spider is being voiced by Paul Dano, who recently Mm. did The Riddler. Yeah, um, it's a. I haven't seen the trailer. It's a movie that's in my watch list because, um, like that, I saw it was Adam Sandler and Paul Dano. Um, I've kind of avoided the trailer because I don't want to see anything for it because it's one that I already know I'm going to see. So I kind of have attempted to stay away from it. But um, the fact that you're recommending it, it obviously looks good. You wouldn't really recommend something that didn't look good. So I'm, uh, I'm delighted to hear that it at least looks good. That it's worth a, a recommendation of checking out the trailer. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry for giving away maybe one or two things no, no. too many. I, I knew those things anyway, so you're fine. Right. I had seen I had seen um, screenshots of Paul Dano's, you know, character, so it's not, uh, you're not, you know, revealing anything for me, it's fine. But, you know, you know the way that it's kind of like, the less I see of it, the better. The two of us yeah. were the same for Spider-Man No Way Home. We had seen Green Goblin image how many times, but we still avoided seeing it in, in motion. Yeah. Oh, in motion, exactly. Right, David, moving on from one veteran actor to another. We're talking today about the holdovers. And uh, this movie, to sum up, would be in the scenario, what if Bart Simpson was kept at school over the holidays, supervised by Principal Skinner? What can you imagine will happen? That's a great way to put it, honestly. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that, but now that you've said that, I'm like, yeah, that makes actually perfect sense. And, um, yeah, you've, you've, wow, I have Uh, to, you've left me speechless here, Brian. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah, well, that that does not just conclude today's episode, David. We've got an hour of it. So the holdovers, (laughs) we have a very limited cast. The leads are Paul Giamatti. Uh, an actor who everyone will see and go, oh, I know that guy. Whereas mm. me and you know him by name. I remember him back in the days of The Negotiator or Big Fat Liar or that one cop lying on a couch in that Johnny Depp movie, Blow. Uh, he's come a long way now to be a very high-demand actor. And mm-hmm. 
he's got oh what's her name you've seen her face her name's Davine oh god damn it she's the cook in the movie she's the female lead but she's likely to be the um oh uh, Davine Joy Randolph that's her yeah so she's there as well for the duration of the movie and we've got a young first film debut uh, actor with Dominic shit David don't know this guy's either <laughs> Dominic Sisa Sisa yeah okay. at least I think that's how it's pronounced it's S-E-S-S-A so I, I'm gonna go with Sisa so the movie is about these three characters who are left behind uh, their boarding school during the Christmas holidays because well Angus who's the played by Dominic he's he's left behind his mother and stepfather while they go vacate wherever else and he's he, and it was unexpected unexpected for him so he's been left behind Paul Giamatti was uh, let's say nominated and forced forcibly volunteered to supervise the students who are left behind and the cook stays behind as well because of the nature of her situation uh, Davine she is grieving the loss of her son who died in the Vietnam War and she works there therefore her son was able to go to the school but she still works there therefore it feels like home so that's the reason why all these characters are stuck there uh, to the listeners is this movie sounding boring to you because I never went on my phone at all I found I found myself quite uh, addicted to looking at my phone in the cinema just to check the time just to see how long's left for this two-hour movie never did that once this movie is fucking fantastic. It is mm-hmm. such a welcoming, warm movie to watch. And we heard all the hype about it. We heard that Peter Dahl Giamani is coming for that Oscar. He's giving Killian Murphy a run for his money. That the movie is likely to be a Best Picture nomination. This new kid coming in here, never made a screen acting debut before. Great. This is from the guy who did Nebraska and Downsizing and a few other movies, but I'm I'm not too familiar with Alexander Payne, but this is definitely my favourite of his. I know that for a fact now. Mm-hmm. So, how to describe this movie? Why is it so good? What's so good about it? We open up with Paul Giamatti correcting... Tess smoking a pipe and he's mumbling and murmuring to himself calling the students Philistines uh, one of many words that I learned in this movie uh, but I don't <laughs> know what they mean mm-hmm. and he's been given a, a, a plate of cookies as a, because you know it's Christmas and his, his um, co-teacher is being nice so you know you think oh is she going to be the annoying Love interest, sort of, but like she wants to, I don't know. Uh, she like she she fancies him. She wants to maybe go out on a day. She's you know trying to flirt with him, whereas he's just like having none of it. That's not his style. He he likes his loneliness. He likes to he he, he isolates himself. He lives a life of ice of 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 his own one. You know, he's a world of one. Mm. He's the type of professor, a well, well cultured and educated professor in Roman Roman or what is Roman or Greek 
Uh, I think it, uh, I don't know, it was ancient civilizations, I'm pretty sure, that he was uh, teaching. Yeah, so if you don't know anything about ancient civilization, you are a philistine to him. And <laughs> he he back, back, goes back and forth with bickering his his dean, the, or the, the, the lead of the boarding school, because he would mar- he would mark harshly to all his students, including one whose, let's say, father would provide a lot, a hefty donation to the school. But he goes, I don't care. Uh, he doesn't pass my my class. He he doesn't pass, so I'm not going to do that. And the good thing he'll do to allow some reasonable accommodation or leeway for allowing his students to pass his class is, okay, I'll give you a retest. But it's going to be on some on something completely different. So you're going to have to keep studying. And whereas this student in his class, Angus, played by Dominic, he he does all right. You know, he's we're seeing insert shots of him placing all the tests on in on all the students' tables. <laughs> you just see where we're going with a C minus D and E, a couple of more C minuses, and the. The highest grade he gives is a B, and that's the Dominic. And all right, he's got nothing to lose. He is not gonna fail, but he uh, Dominic's a bit like you. You can argue he'd be cheeky, but he's also got a bit of uh, he he is smart, Dominic. Like he's not one of those rich kids who's entitled, who thinks. Because of the situation he's been born in, everyone else is beneath him. He's not like almost every other kid in his class, especially the bully who's you know looks like a young uh, Zach Efron or Zach Efron's younger <laughs> brother. You know that guy I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good uh, comparison. Actually. Asshole, deserved a punch. So, <laughs> poor, poor Angus is uh, left behind, and he's left behind with a couple of other students. So I thought, okay. Uh, the professor, God, what's his, what's his, what's the name? Play, Paul Giamani plays. Uh, Paul, <laughs> he has the same name. Paul Hunnam. Um, oh, Paul Hunnam. So Professor Hunnam, yeah. he's not. It's not just because of the holidays. He's not gonna lay back, relax, and watch a bit of TV. He's gonna put these kids to work. He wakes them up in the early of the crack of dawn, out exercising, has them studying in for catching up for the following semester to come. He's, he's, he's being a dickhead, like mm-hmm. proper, the, like the, the worst a, a teacher can get. And he's still, he, he's like a hypocrite because he's arguing, he's telling all the kids as they're exercising. Uh, what was the line that he says? Uh, a healthy body is uh, good for the soul or something along those lines while he's smoking a pipe. And, and then he's mm-hmm. coughing up uh, whatever he's smoking and you get the sense that he doesn't like his students because he sees them as entitled rich kids um, who don't know their arsehole from their elbow and essentially he's he's gonna now to make their lives miserable uh, using his strengths of being a, a professor in ancient civilization but this movie is essentially about how these people come to know one another. And, well, I did, I did say that the movie is warm, so it, it, it really tackles all sides of 
uh, drama while splinters of comedy in there. I think people mm. enough hearing me talk about this movie uh, in terms of the premise. Why don't you tell us what you uh, think about the movie before we get into the elements of the story and in, in what this movie really is about and why we like it so much. Yeah, no, listen, you, I, I, I know you had talked a lot there. I didn't want to stop you because um, as, as you were describing it, I was just thinking back to the movie, you know, I was like, yeah, he's, I, <laughs> it's one movie that uh, I think we, we came out of the cinema and kind of looked at each other and you said it, you were like, I wish we hadn't done our 2023 wrap up so early because this definitely is a, a top contender there. Um, you kind of mentioned it there. I'm going to slightly go back over what some of the things you said there about uh uh, everything so Paul Giamatti he's he's someone that like you said you show a picture and everyone knows him but probably not a lot of people would know his name they go oh yeah it's the guy from this it's the guy from that he's very much like a, a character actor he would have been in like supporting roles a lot of the time and this is the first time for me anyway um I don't know about you but this is the first time that I've seen him in a leading role um and really kind of being the star of the show um Oscar wise you're right I think that he is going to be giving a lot of the current frontrunners a run for their money. Um, I think in any world where the likes of, say, Bradley Cooper wins over this is insane. Um, I know he's obviously gunning for that um, lead actor with Maestro, but it's not it's not one that we're going to talk about here on the podcast, really, until we do our Oscar predictions and stuff. We'll, we'll go into it a bit more then, but... Um, Paul Giamatti's character in this like he so effortlessly becomes the character of Paul Hunnam he is entitled in his own way he uses his well not maybe not entitled probably not the best way to describe him but like you were saying there he he is it yeah well he's he has a certain thing over these students and the students have something over him and the what the students have over him is they have money and they have status and their families are from you know they're they're from families that um, can do whatever they want really and what he has over them is they he realistically holds their future in his hands and like you were saying there he is going to make them work for it he it's not going to be a yeah sure i'll pass you go on like like he very much from the start like you're saying there he um grades them all badly and uh we find out later on that he's graded students badly enough that uh, a governor's son wasn't able to get into Harvard or um, Caltech or something like that, like something crazy that the the dean really, really needed the bump in money. You know, the, like the governor, we have a library named after him and you couldn't pass his son. He's like, well, he wasn't good enough. He didn't pass. So he sticks to his guns in terms of that, like the, the power that he has over them is all that he has, you know, the ability to, to take over their lives. Um, And then in contrast to... Well, but then, sorry, before I get into the contrast, uh, like you're saying there, like, he's not an, uh, he's not an unreasonable guy, but he's also not going to make it easy for you. He's not unreasonable, but he's not going to make it easy, because like that, he offers them the makeup test, but it's like, okay, yeah, but it will be on something that you have to read over the Christmas break, you have two weeks to read about it, and it'll be an average of the two combined tests, so it's not like a redo and you're going to pass it's a redo and if you pass well enough then you'll pass based on you know some of them getting f's and stuff like that so he he gives them the chance but doesn't make it easy either um but in contrast then you have the two other characters um angus and and mary 
Angus being someone that is a a character who doesn't have to stand up for people or he doesn't have to be as nice as he is but he still is he he and we learn that later on why he's he's like that you know with uh, finding out about his dad and stuff like that like he has a, he has a much softer side and and like you were saying there he has the just in the, in in the the classroom scene like he he's the one that gets the highest mark he doesn't have to say a thing you know he'd be happy with a b plus i'm sure because he knows that's probably the best he's going to get within this class but he's the one that's making the argument like oh come on you know give us a chance why are we doing the class um he's kind of giving everyone he's he's sticking up for everybody and it backfires on him then and and um paul then is able to or mr hunnam is able to use them use him as uh you know a target then for the other boys to go after and then mary who is the the cook um like you're saying there she couldn't be any more different than either of the two characters put together like she is uh a black woman surrounded by entitled white men um just like completely uh, uh, you know she doesn't have an ally at all in the world and then she's lost her son this is her first christmas without her son so um she's by herself essentially in the school i know she's obviously there with the boys and and mr hunnam but she's really she is by herself you know in terms of that her son hasn't come home for christmas she's not spending time with her family and it's even though she can go see her sister like her sister's pregnant she doesn't want to because it's going to upset her too much and then we have angus who isn't with his family and it's not his choice and that upsets him so much so there's a lot going on in terms of where our characters are emotionally and where they all are emotionally but yet they're all within the school themselves they're all stuck together um i know that i've now just been rambling on for probably the same amount of time that you have um but uh before we go any further into it i have to say that the the three characters i was a little bit disappointed when uh, because obviously it's not just Angus that stays over at the school. There's it's a bunch like of, of guys for yeah. the boys, and we even get a scene with them, um, with uh, Angus, with the, the young fella that that um, he has an accident in the middle of the night and, and pisses the bed, and he he's a you know he's a 16 year old boy and the kid he looks to be about 12 he could very easily bully him and like take the piss out of him like the other like the other lads would, but he just says like you know don't worry about it I'll help you in the morning. You know, there's he's just got a niceness to him of um, stuff that you don't need to be like this. Well, it, it's good to be like this, but he doesn't. He has no reason to be as nice as he is until we find out later why that is. But um, I thought when those other boys left, I was like, oh, I kind of wish that I had. I wish that they had stayed a little bit longer. I wanted them just to have a bit more, a bit more interaction between. Yeah, yeah, the boys. But once they left, then and we got then to the real kind of crux of it of having just three characters alone in the school together that's when it it, it, it even though it slowed down it really picked up for me it piqued my interest of okay what what's going to happen here now in terms of uh how are we going to be where's the story going to go from here and i just thought that it was um it was i, I i'm sure you would agree with me it is hilarious the movie is so funny in in yeah. every aspect like with the characters with the the dialogue with the action um when he when angus runs through the school and uh mr hunnam is chasing after him 
and he does like the cartwheel through and then yeah. he goes into the gym and breaks his arm and that wail of a scream was so funny and then cut to Paul Giamatti's face and it just drops like he realizes oh fuck like he just realizes how much trouble I think it feels like he is realizing how much trouble he is in because I have to explain this now why is this kid in so much pain what's happened to him that feels like the crossing of the threshold the point of no going back because mm-hmm. as he was chasing him through the hall he's shouting him you're gonna get two weeks attention you're getting this amount of attention that's another mark down for you you know like breakfast club style he's, he's giving yeah. him all these warnings and marks and he's just not having it because he's the only one left because all the other students got to go away skiing and his parents wouldn't answer and like you said just quickly he's not unreasonable he did try to call his parents again for yeah he uh, didn't want him there yeah, he did not he want him there yeah, he was like he didn't want, i he didn't, could not <laughs> he wasn't gonna be this uh, little sulking bastard to oh shit these kids have an out from under my iron fist no you didn't want to keep there he go great i like my loneliness yeah no back to when angus breaks his arm after that jump that like almost famous shot or image it's not a poster it's an image of paul giamani's face with his jaw dropping and mm-hmm. yeah and they cut to uh, a couple of uh, a funny quick shots of him uh, getting the window uh, knife scraper to scrape the ice off the windshield of yeah his and car. the arm just <laughs> just yeah. standing there and then he said i'll go as fast as i can and they just them two are going back and forth mm. in arguments with a little uh, quippy music playing in the background it is very very funny and then I think you're right in terms of I think you're right in terms of the crossing the threshold because that then when they go to the hospital that's the first time that we leave the school and then the kind of the outside of the school becomes um you know uh, reasonable to be yeah that we okay that we're no longer set just within the school that we can go out and, and it gives cause that why are we outside the school okay we're in the hospital now they're back at the restaurant and then we meet the the teacher from the start and she in- invites them to a christmas eve party and it just becomes that that slow gradual like okay here's reasons for us to no longer be at the school yeah and what you were uh, saying there david you spoke my mind you were enjoying the fact that, okay, you've you seen the poster, it's going to centre on these three characters, the professor, the cook, and the student. But you didn't realise, there. Were, oh, there's a couple of extra students here. The, the the bully dickhead, the two young boys who, what are they, Mormons? And then there's another guy who's either going the route of joining the army for his father or become a hippie because of his father. You know, he's that mm-hmm. type of guy. Well, when they left, oh, it feels like, we're leaving something here that that we've gained that we were working with mm-hmm. but no them leaving was to to let, allow the movie progress into what I do argue as one of the best movies of 2023 and the relationship between these people so we start to learn that he sh- Hunnam the professor shuts himself out of so, so socializing with others mm-hmm. he kept he, his first few uh, answers were no we're not going to the party and then you know just a couple of uh, go on go on go on by mrs doyle and then great then uh then they go to the party and then he actually seems to enjoy himself a bit he he starts to slowly open himself up to the his 
co- his colleague, the teacher, the one who gave him the cookies as a start. And then we see, oh no, she's, she's got a partner because she's kissing some other fella. And we see that Angus was, you know, he was um, socialising with a girl downstairs as well. But we see Mary, the cook, who's there. We know she's grieving. We see that she's drinking. Mm-hmm. And we then Angus goes to Hunnam. And Hunnam, you're thinking, oh, he's just feeling like he, he opened himself up. Now he's he feels nothing but rejected and at a loss. You think he's just going to tell the... Uh, Angus the kid to fuck off or something when Angus comes to ask him I need to show you something and he doesn't say it fuck off or anything like that at all he says okay what you know he's not unreasonable mm-hmm. and yeah. then we see that Mary's having a, uh, a moment of of grief in the kitchen and closes the doors and she's just struggling with the loss of her son and then they all go home and this is where Angus says that his father's dead and oh you, you know because uh, the, the professor like, you know he, he sort of insulted him that I don't know your mother this and your father that and, but no my father's dead and they said what no but I thought you said that your father you know trying to defend his argument when yeah. he knew himself he was wrong and Mary you think oh she's like not in a fit in a fit to talk she says you idiot what's wrong with you let's get out of here I'm you're cold you know she's st- mm-hmm. she's still able to do those little quips yeah. little funny lines well it's something that it's something that she says uh, when they're watching TV together I think that he um, he being Mr. Hunnam he says something about enjoying an argument and she says well when was the last yeah when was the last time you lost an argument like you only pick an argument that you know you can win do you know because he is normally arguing against students and there is that kind of dynamic I suppose that anyone has you know when it comes to arguments like when you're a kid and you're arguing with your parent you're nearly always going to lose I don't think any child has ever won an argument with their parent like it you're always going to lose that and it's similar with a teacher you know like when you're arguing with a teacher you kind of are always going to lose there's a a a different a, a, a certain balance that the teacher has an innately sense of being right do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then when Paul has that moment where he's lost the argument just based on the fact that he said like something about your dad and then he's like, my dad's dead. And he's like, oh, well, well no, hold on. I, uh, he's like, no, you've, you know, just stop. It's over now. You lost this one. Um, something that you said there actually that I just wanted to, to slightly go back to was with Mary's character because I think that in a lot of other movies and this movie could have fallen into this trap and I'm glad that it didn't is that in a lot of other movies um black characters can fall into the service of uh white characters I don't know if you saw the trailer there's a movie called it's coming out this year 2024 it's called the American Society of Magical and then the n-word I'm not going to say the n-word obviously um but it's all about how black people are actually in kind of in service of white people. I don't know. Did you see the trailer for this? No, never heard. No, of this. no. Okay. I'll send you the trailer after this. Uh, you can watch it. But, um, I think that in, in movies like this, it could have very easily been that the, that, that she was just there to provide kind of words of wisdom to get them through everything. But the fact that she was going through something herself, that she wasn't just there as like a side character to, 
provide them with with where they needed to go or anything like that that she was also struggling that she had an issue which was that her son was gone and that she had family to go to but was choosing not to and and being upset about the fact that she's lost her son but her sister gaining a child do you know and like that the, the that moment where they leave the party because of mary that it's not in in you know another movie it would have very much been paul rejected by the co-worker him going and getting drunk and spiralling a little bit and him being in the kitchen and it's Mary that comes in, rubs his back and tells him it's going to be okay and gives him advice or whatever. So I'm glad that she was very much not just a character there in service of the other I get, characters. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I completely... In in summary, all three of these characters needed each other. Yeah, they, they, they all, in, in very different ways, yeah. They all had their own paths to go through in terms of where they end up because as the movie progresses, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Mary's uh, storyline concludes not just quite happy, but on its own, like not intertwined with the final destinational fate between Hunnam and Angus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll I'll elaborate that later. But I think we're getting halfway to the to the episode, David. Oh, you know what that means? It's time for the first flash facts of 2024. Laura, play that jingle for us. Thank you, Laura. So we have some flash facts for the holdovers. Flash fact number one. The opening credits last for 8 minutes and 51 seconds. This is an unusual length of time and keeping with the theme of stylizing itself after classic films of the time period. It has unique credits for crew members like color grading and focus puller. This is a movie that if you watch you could think, oh, this is an old movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not. It's the most convincingly um, made to look uh, of its era. Yeah, that I've that I've ever seen in forever. You can see some movies and oh, uh, almost any uh, Wes Anderson movie that's released every one or two years. Oh, it, it, the the set design and the acting, or just to name a few, could come across as of mm. certain errors, sixties, seventies, eighties, or even yeah, those three dec that those three decades. But the holdovers, you could watch and you could think hmm so paul g Marty was old way back in the 70s you know <laughs> absolutely yeah no it's it's one that i i came out of the theater i was like i've never seen a movie that successfully looks as though it was made within the time that it was made the, w- the time that it's set you know i i got home and i, I kind of looked it up i was like okay what made that look so because i couldn't quite put my finger on it because i was like what exactly is it that because it's straight away it's just it just feels like it's from the 70s you know it, it just looks like a movie of the time and there's a couple of key things that they did uh, throughout the movie so um long static shots just like of um exteriors and uh characters just existing like no yeah. like not really any fancy camera movements um all sets are practical there's no um like it, they actually filmed it within the the school building. There was no sets, no green screen, nothing. All like the snow was real, stuff like that. Um, they shot it on a fifty five millimeter lens. They recorded the audio in mono instead of stereo, which kind of um, 
it, it makes the audio not as crisp there was a couple of pops in terms of the audio like it, it peaked in in certain places they added like the scratch of like it was on film um and then what else was there lots of stuff oh yeah um crash zooms and dissolves the film is full of dissolves dissolves is a practice that we don't really see anymore but uh, if you go back and watch it like there's a lot of scenes that will dissolve from one into the next and they take a, a long time so it, it it really went out of its way to not only look even the opening credits it, like they had like the old style um focus features and miramax and stuff like that like it just looked like it it really did a great job of of being a movie that takes place in the 70s and looks as though it was shot in the 70s put in a vault and then someone was like oh yeah we never released the holdovers and then they released it this year you know yeah yeah could not agree more and i still don't know how still don't know how they did it but mm. uh, um good uh you're well informed there david you're well informed i i i wanted to find out as much as i could now for this flashback section um flash fact number two Paul Hunnam's Lazy Eye was Paul Giamatti's idea and started out as a prank on co-star Dominic Sisa before being incorporated into the script. Perhaps intentionally, the eye consistently switches from his left eye to his right eye in different scenes throughout the film, making the viewer share Tully's confusion on which one to look at. I want to watch this movie again uh, for multiple reasons, but the eye is definitely the uh, something to keep an eye out for because he does. He, he, he did ask that question, Angus did. Mm-hmm. You know, as he's bonding, you know, teaching him how to how to bowl properly. Hey, what what am I? What eye should I look at you when I'm talking to you? You know, I just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. And then that close up shot of Paul Giamatti with literally, the, I think it could not have uh, more be more obvious that both eyes went in like opposite directions. Yeah, uh, and he goes like, mm. you, you know, like like uh, like as if a, a nephew was asking an inappropriate question to his uncle about mm-hmm. uh, that he's been told not to ask like yeah. don't bring it up don't talk about it yeah. um because it was something that i noticed throughout the movie as well i don't know about you i was like does paul giamatti have a lazy eye because i've never noticed this before and then when he says it he when he brings it up he's like which eye should i look at i'm like okay that's funny and then i questioned it too and then every single time i saw him he's like it's he's changing the eye there's no and then when he points at the eye he's like it's this one i'm like i would have completely said the other one but the fact that he you know it was incorporated into the script he just picked one then obviously um but i i i I, apparently he's not even he's not uh a lazy eye or cross-eyed or anything like that he's just he's able to do that which is what do you mean like that to do that i guess he's just able to make one of his eyes lazy no way, no way. That, that, there has to be some sort of uh, foul play, manipulation, mm. uh, there's something going on here because there's no way uh, he's able to do that himself. Because if he is, mm. then just give him the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, flash fact number three. This is Dominic Cease's on-screen debut. He said only acted in on-stage productions um, before this. It was actually Paul Giamatti who took credit for getting Dominic Cease cast as Angus. He was claiming that he insisted on Alexander Payne giving him the audition after Payne had expressed reluctance at Cease's lack of acting experience in his resume. What a bright young whippersnapper. I really, I couldn't agree more. Like he genuinely, to say that this is his first role, I'm like, sorry, what? How is this his first role? Because 
he seems like like that where you're saying is you know taken from the vault back from the 70s like how is this kid not in more stuff like I'm, I'm excited to see now where he goes from here but he just absolutely nailed it he I could see him similar to seeing um you know Paul Giamatti nominated for best actor and seeing uh Divine Joy Rudolph as uh, you know nominated for best supporting actress I could very much see Dominic Sisa taking a best supporting nomination at the Oscars. Oh, aren't the nominations out by now, David? Actually, yeah, that's a good point. We're recording this on Monday the 22nd and the nominations are coming out tomorrow on Tuesday and this episode is coming out on the Wednesday. So at this point, the nominations are out. So I'm sure that if we are right or wrong, you, the listener, <laughs> on if you're listening to this on Wednesday when it first comes out, you will know uh, in the future. It doesn't matter because all these are in the past. But um, yeah, no, hopefully... Hopefully now, tomorrow, we'll be right before this uh, comes out. Uh, And that, my friend, brings an end to our flashback section. Laura, play us out of here. Thank you very much, Laura. Uh, Yeah, so have you got any further? Where, Where would you like to take the rest of this episode? David, just like in the Recess movie where... TJ sees Principal Prickly as not so such a bad guy. We're getting into the the holiday seasonal session of the movie where Paul Giamatti he Mary says, "Why don't you do something nice for him? Because he's left behind. He's abandoned. He's not with his family." And Paul Giamatti, who loves his loneliness, he he's like he couldn't really comprehend the idea of doing such a thing to get something nice to show uh, a little bit of a celebration for the kid of the three of them there he's the only one that isn't there by choice like Paul Giamatti realistically he he, his character was going to be there anyway um and then Mary was going to be there anyway because she had she you know wasn't going to go to her family so um Angus is the only one that's not is the only one that's there not by choice and then yeah as well as that his parents didn't want him and then he couldn't even get through to his parents to go with the other guys. Like he could be on, he could be where he wants to be in Boston or he could be on a skiing trip. But no, he's the only person in the whole movie that isn't where he wants to be. So Hunnam goes to to buy a tree, for, uh, like whatever's <laughs> left. And then and then uh, he goes to, he checks on, on uh, Angus before he goes to get the tree just to see if he's asleep. And then he comes back, check him, Angus is gone. Goes to search the entire school around him. This guy who's trying to do something nice from his perspective. Searching the whole school for him. Where the hell have you been? I don't know, here I guess. It's almost like he's going to be like, you ungrateful little shit. But no, he didn't do that. He got, mm. He's like, Mom, I want to show you something. Cut to Paul Giamatti. Well, what do you think? As if he's presenting uh, a brand new car to to sell. Uh, this little like... Yeah. Not a third or a fourth of a size actual tree sitting on the table, lopsided, no ornaments or lights uh, decorated on it. Well, I'm sure we can find some. like he's he's really proud of this because he do, I don't know he doesn't mm-hmm. do this before. You know, it's, it's not even like, well, the bare minimum. It's it's lower than the bare minimum, yeah. and he think that's the the upper echelon. It's the best thing that he could have done. You know, on such short notice, and in a way, uh, yeah, you know, he's getting a, a tree on Christmas Day, but it's the fact that he didn't he didn't even think of it himself. Do you know, it's it's Mary that suggested it to him, and then he was like, hmm, yeah, maybe I'll. But maybe it was I'll really it, it was really nice. It was nice. It was a nice moment to see because he did it because he is trying to do something nice Mm. 
and then he, he I got this for you. He gives Angus a, pre- a present, <laughs> gift wrap. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're watching the scene play out, and you know, there's a little bit of a quippy, chirpy music playing in the background. And Angus opens up, all right, what's gonna, what did he get him? You know, it's gonna be something like that Angus is not gonna appreciate, not because he's a cunt, but because uh, he, he, he just shares different. It's gonna be something that uh, Hunnam would have wanted for Christmas, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, opens yeah, up, yeah. Opens up, and he, he's, he, he's given Angus a book on what is it? Uh, how to be. Oh, it was it's entitled like Meditations, and it was, yes, um, you know, all of. All these different things, but it was like, but no, no religious. Um, it was a, not a religious book, but it takes like the teachings of lots of different religions. And yeah. uh, he was like, "That's that's great. Everything you want to know is in there." And then, then he he hands the present to Mary, and it's the same book. And it, I just was, it was so funny. And I know I'm jumping ahead here, but when he is packing up his office and there's a whole crate of that book and it's like you can see there's 20 copies of it i burst out laughing i was like oh my god that is so funny he just has 20 of these copies of books in case he needs a present and he can give it to anyone i just thought that was the funniest thing ever i I literally was like laughing out loud in the cinema but is it is it really actually meant for presents or what is what is the purpose? Because he doesn't seem to be the man to give out presents anyway. But no, I, but it's I, it's like a, in case of emergency, give this book, you know, because it'll fit anyone. Because it's non-religious, it's fine. It'll fit anyone's you know denomination or anything like that. Because why would you have twenty copies of the same book? You know, it just it read to me as okay. If I'm ever stuck and I have to give someone something, you know, or if I'm going to a housewarming and I have to give a book or something, that he would give the same book he i just thought it was so it it described him perfectly do you know it was like a character trait that i was like oh absolutely he is someone that would do this do you know i i, I burst it out laughing and i couldn't help myself when mary mm. opened her present and it's the same book like because the, the the scene had just been dragged out just long enough you know like i said uh, great acting, music playing in the gra- background, taking time for the actors to do the thing to open the and you just see it's the same thing. And I, I just bursted out laughing. I was like, "You were sitting next to mm. me when it, when that happened." Uh, I think that was the most I laughed the most because I was on a, I was not expecting it. I was paying mm. attention, but I was not ready for it. Um, and then so far the movie's been great, but we get into the into the well elevated. A deeper meaning behind it um, when they go to Boston and this is when they drop Mary off to her sisters mm-hmm. and you know throughout the movie as much as Paul Giamatti Hunnam he he despises his students he defends Mary when one of the students talks out of turn uh, about mm-hmm. her like full on as, as oh I thought he was gonna and, yeah yeah I thought he was going to hit the child. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he says something just overtly racist and he loses, he like nearly flips the table. Like he, he hits the table and like a plate goes flying or something like that. It was, that was very much like a raw reaction that it was Paul, the man, as opposed to Mr. Hunnam, the teacher. You know, yeah. it was his instinctual reaction as opposed to, oh, hold on now, I'm, I'm in charge of these lads. He's only a kid and he kind of draws himself back in. It was a great, great moment. And it shows then the the care that he has over Mary because he he realizes that 
what these boys might not that she's lost a son this is her first christmas now without a son and he does have those moments where he you know he goes down to her living quarters and tries to connect with her and he is a much much softer side to her than anyone else in the movie and it's a, a much caring side and he sits down and he talks about curtis and she you know she's as honest as honest can be because he's talking about curtis and he's like oh he's a, a you know a really bright kid he was great and she's like yeah he thought you were an asshole like there's just because he's dead doesn't mean i'm gonna um you know uh not tell you what he thought of you like because that's what he thought of you and he's just being honest or she's just being honest with with how curtis was so um and that that doesn't affect him at all he's still you know going to be just as sweet to her yeah and just to see where that movie goes that hits home a little bit more because Mm -hmm. the opinion of someone who's passed away is still being informed to you and then it's almost like a it's almost repeated to him again in a way where we've said goodbye to Mary, a lovely goodbye to Mary. Um, Hunnam takes Angus to a museum, tries to educate him a bit. And he does mm-hmm. it in an interesting way for Angus to tell him, you know, you should do that more often. You know, mm-hmm. the students, they, they, they don't like you. In fact, no one really liked you. Everyone hates you. Did you know that? Do you remember or something along those lines? I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what... Um, that's the that's the crux of what Angus told told him, and this is in a in a sort of a, a not a montage but a couple of scenes where a sequence of scenes where they're bonding together, and then he teaches yeah. him to play bowling, and then he asks him about the eye, and then and then Hunnam says to Angus, you know, he repeats the same thing back to him, so he, he, as much of uh, a sarcastic uh, giver that Hunnam is. He does it, but he's doing it in a, in a non-antagonizing way. Mm-hmm. So they're bonding. Like, literally, like, I, I got a sense of uh, uncle and nephew relationship between these two. In, in, yeah. in a matter of days, these guys have spent time together. They've, you know, they've, they've socialized and they've gotten to know each other a little bit more. And I felt a little bit in a way that um, Hunnam nearly was a little bit jealous, I think, of um, Angus. Because I felt like when he was kind of looking at him, he was nearly wishing that, oh, I wish I had been a bit more like that as a kid. Because you can kind of see him, like when he's at the bar, when they're bowling, like he looks over and he sees him talking to the girls. And then that kind of nearly inspires him to talk to the lads at the bar, you know, be sociable because he sees Angus being sociable. Um, I just kind of got a little bit of like, like that. Like I did get the the, the um nephew uncle kind of relationship but i also felt a little bit of a a jealousy that he he nearly sees himself or what he wishes he was when he was that age mm. yeah no i agree um then we learned that angus's father is not dead he's in a mental hospital mm. and that's almost like more embarrassing for angus to say which is why he said he's dead and did you get that because i kind of got it as yeah. a He's he's accepted that. that his dad is gone. That he's not his dad. No, I got it. I I sort of took it that his dad passed away as opposed to um, revealing more of what happened. Because, mm. he, but that's a good I, way to look at it. Yeah, that's how I took it anyway. Mm. But we do see that his father is he's he's not he's gone. He's not completely there. He you know because he can't talk to him like a father to his son. And then mm. we see Hunnam. He, and he tried to run away from Hunnam to go see him, but like 
hunting him, he's not unreasonable. He says, of course we can go to a cemetery. But, of course, it was the, the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And then, after that, where do we go next? Is it back to... Pretty... We've, we have that small scene in the, the um, hotel where they both are taking antidepressants. Do you know that... Uh, yeah. Angus doesn't... He, he drops the pills and... Um, uh, Paul picks them up and he's like, oh, um, you're taking, I can't remember the name of it, but he's like this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's for, for this. And uh, he's like, well, depression? And he was like, yeah, no, it's for these other things. And uh, then he goes to his own bag and he takes out his own pills and he's also suffering from it. So you, you do kind of see that they're not, they're not far off each other, you know? Like they are, they do have a lot of things in common, even though they're miles apart in age and come from different social standards and stuff like that. Like they are... They are both, unfortunately, suffering from depression for, for you know, different things, I'm sure. But uh, he, does, he does have that kind of moment, I suppose. I think that maybe might be a, a little bit of a a turning point. Well, not that not that he hasn't already. I feel as though his, his, um, Mr. Hunnam has turned a little bit, but that's another a, another jump for him to, to see that they're not far apart, is that they both suffer from depression. Mm. And then, by the way, that scene with the hooker is funny as well. Well, when a hooker goes off, hey, you got a smoke? Hey, you want to go around the corner? Hey, you want to mm. have a good diet? That, that, was, that was a funny scene as well. And then Hunnam meets, a, a, what was it, a colleague or a fellow a f- student? They were both in college together. Yeah. And Hunnam is obviously in a place where he wishes he wasn't because someone copied off him and he mm-hmm. received the, the fallout of it. And... Uh, he's struggled to find himself in a good place in life in terms of his career. Therefore, you, you can see why he's very down on the dumps. He's very harsh on other students because he's been wronged. And yeah. He, and he could not have wanted to get away from home even more. Like he, he, he didn't want to be anywhere near his parents. And then, you know, because he kept on saying, Bartman don't lie. Was it? Barton men don't lie. But, and here he is, a Barton man, lying. Hypocrite. Mm-hmm. But he's not, he's not like shrugging off as you don't understand or, or that's different or, you know, anyway, then we, then it's the, I think after that, it's the news list that we're back after the holidays and it's like student and professor have an understanding between each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And they've gone through this change they've gone through this journey together and they'll it's almost like uh in another movie they they'd never acknowledge it but they yeah. give each other a nod do you know but then we learn that angus parents who we've never seen on screen finally come back pay a visit to the to the dean or to the governor or to the sorry the principal of the school yeah the dean given out because angus has visited his father and so they go to question hunnam about it and so after this journey of we that me and you have just seen between these two, instead of a uh, Hunnam at the start of this movie would have just, you know, not thrown not, him under the bus. T- yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not that you'd sell him out because he wouldn't see him himself as selling him out. He just would yeah have just just discarded him completely. Yeah, but he does not just the opposite, but he go he, he completely covers for him, saying it was his idea, mm-hmm. and through the lessons he's, he's learned throughout the movie because it was Mary who helped him realise that this kid was left behind abandoned during the holidays he goes to tell him that he goes to tell the dean and his parents he was left 
alone. He should be with family during Christmas, and that's why he took him. So he lied, mm-hmm. and he covered for him, and it cost him his job. And he, I think he was dead right, like, to, to call the parents out, like, because he's like, who leaves their kid alone at Christmas? Yeah. You know, because very, very much like, and, and especially to tell him the day before they go, the, the, the day he's supposed to go home. You know, and he—it's not like they didn't try and contact him about going on the ski trip. It's like you were unavailable; like you wouldn't answer the phone. You know, so I think he was right to not only call them out, but he was right to do something with them. You know, have a have a Christmas. And he even he, he pretty much tells a fuck you to the dean as well as he walks out, mm-hmm. and then that's when he tells Angus, who's who doesn't know what what has happened, whether he's been expelled or not. He says. It's this one pointing to his eye. Mm-hmm. This is the eye you should look at. Which I don't know. It's like uh, one step to open himself up more yeah. to this kid after the journey they've gone through. So, and I love that moment that that Mary comes back. That she she comes and she holds Angus's hand because, like, something that he's been afraid of the entire time. It's like, if I get kicked out of this school, I'm going to military academy, and. What we have to remember is is that if he goes to military academy, like he's he's close to eighteen, so he's probably going to go out and join the army. And this is at the height of the Vietnam War, so for him, for Angus, going to military academy is like a death sentence. That he's essentially going to military academy to the army to the Vietnam War. So to have then Mary come in and she's there, she knows. She walks in. She's like, I heard. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'm probably going to go to military academy. She knows that that's a death sentence because that's exactly what happened to her son, Curtis. So it was great to have that kind of fully rounded, like two characters understanding the situation that they're in, that, that, that he's going to have, that there's a possibility of, you know, Paul going in there and essentially giving him a death sentence, death sentence. Well, it's not even the likes of that. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a, given the circumstances, a happy ending for Mary it's mm. uh, given the circumstances based on a relationship with his parents a happy ending for Angus and then even given the circumstances a happy ending for Hunnam who yes is out of a job but he, he's he's never left the country he's ha- he's never travelled anywhere and he doesn't know where he's going to go well he's just mm. going to go somewhere and he loads up a trailer drives away and I don't think we've touched on the fact that he is an alcoholic that he he's but but that never, so so many layers to all of these characters. It's impossible to say but, every single thing. But a lesser movie would have had him drunk and having a meltdown uh, about something. Mm. But we never got that. He's he's almost like he's still in control. He's a high so, functioning alcoholic, definitely. Yeah, and then uh, off into the well, not not really a sunset, but he drives off, and that's the that's the end we get for this movie. Hmm. Don't know about you, David, but uh, I th- wish we held off on doing our top 10 movies of 2023 because this is my third favorite movie of the year. It's first Oppenheimer, then it's John Wick, Chapter 4, then it's this, The Holdovers. Uh, yeah, I've pushed out No Hard Feelings out the top 10. This movie is just so warm, so welcoming. It's just great. Mm. And it's it's one of those movies that I think will enter my rotation of of watching it around the holiday season. You know, I'm I'd be happy to revisit this every year or every couple of years at least. I think we found ourselves a new holiday movie, a new Christmas movie. 
absolutely. I'd be surprised. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about this this time next year, or you know, around Christmas time next year, about if we're doing Christmas movies again. But uh, no, it's absolutely like you just say, like you said. There, it's, it's warm. It's it's cozy. It's it's just a great a great film. It's it's heartfelt and it's hilarious. I have to say, like I really really do hope that it gets the recognition it deserves now in this uh, in the Oscar nominations, which are uh, probably are which are already out. I was going to say probably they are out. So I really hope uh, you know that uh, Paul gets his nomination. I hope they all all get nominations, and and I'm looking forward to seeing the. I'm looking forward to other people now finding this and getting a chance to see it. It's a shame because we we had to go outside our normal kind of cinema. We had to track a little bit to go see it in a different place than usual because it didn't get a, as wide of a release here. But um, I'm excited to see other people discover it and, and, and see it. An evening well spent, David. Well spoken to. It was a good episode today. Folks, if you didn't see The Holdovers, go see The Holdovers. I kid you not, you will laugh and you will enjoy it. And if you don't, well then... Well, something wrong with you, I guess. <laughs> Folks, we are on... Have you got a recommendation? Before you wrap it up, you got a recommendation? Oh, do, do, do. I, yeah, Dave, I got a recommendation. This movie. This movie. Brian. I recommend this movie. <laughs> I recommend also this movie. <laughs> yeah. I recommend that you follow us on our new Letterboxd. We just started a new Letterboxd. So we are on Letterboxd, Talking Picks. You'll see our logo there. We have just... The, the complete catalogue and provided links to our podcast and every movie we've discussed in, within their reviews. We've also made lists to every bottled up episodes we did, such as our favourite Christmas movies, favourite spooky movies, favourite gangster movies. If you're on Letterboxd, please find us at Talking Picks. You'll see us, you'll see the logo, you'll see that's me and David. This is our shared now Talking Picks pictures podcast account on letterboxd it's a great app for tracking movies we're also on instagram at talking pictures pod you'll see the links in the description below we also post an episode every wednesday for a good waffle and an occasional bonus episode which we may have one or two releasing every in a couple of sundays to go and if you don't listen to us on spotify we're also on any other podcasting app of your choice so Please, by all means, if you haven't already, give us five stars. If we're not doing a good job, let us know why. Send us an email at talkingpicturespodcast1 at gmail.com. Let us know what we're doing wrong so we can do it right. And if you wouldn't mind, give us a little like because uh, it gives you nothing and it gives us everything. <laughs> cost them nothing, gives us everything. Absolutely. I think you nailed everything on the head there, pal. Well done. I'm so uh, Make sure to check out. <laughs> make sure to check out some of our previous episodes as well all of our episodes you can just go back and listen to them they're on movies that you've probably seen over the course of the last year and um, we did our 2024 most anticipated films uh, they're coming up obviously in the next couple of months we've got a jam-packed schedule and uh, we did our 2023 look back there last week so lots for you to go back and listen to you have no excuse not to listen to the episodes uh, so yeah make sure to check out everything everything will kind of be in the the description down below in terms of links so you'll be able to find us like Brian was saying Philistine